This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli a big decision by the U.S. Supreme Court on a case that they will not hear. What does that mean? And Nikki Haley, the darling of the establishment, <coughs> excuse me, where does it go from, from here for her? As she now comes out and says, Donald Trump is hiding from debating me. Welcome back. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We got a lot to chat about today. It's a big day. And uh, I'll tell you. As all the stories come out about Iowa, I think one thing is very, very clear, and that is that Joy Reid hates uh, white Christians, uh, as do a lot of people in the media, no doubt about that. And that's what Heavy was getting to the last, uh, last hour before we had to go to break. Uh, Joy Reid is, uh, is a hideous person. She is the most racist person on television. MSNBC, of course, is part of NBC, which is owned by Comcast. And in addition to uh, the vile hatred that was spewed by Joy Reid last night, Rachel Maddow actually censored Trump's Iowa victory speech by saying it's not out of spite, but they just don't want to carry it. Uh, Amazing, right? How the corporate media will censor the Republican primary frontrunner. It really is. And also the guy who, by some polls, is actually the general election frontrunner as well. But let's begin, shall we, with uh, Trump's uh, Iowa caucus victory speech. He won in a landslide last night because of the Burgum effect, as we call it. When Doug Burgum backs somebody, that person wins, period. And I think Trump was going to lose Iowa. Then Doug Burgum came out of the blue and backed him, and it changed everything. Changed everything. So, yeah, okay, fine. You want to mock me because I called it wrong and said that Burgum would be president? Fine. But redemption is mine because of my bold prediction that I don't believe any other conservative host in America made yesterday, which is that because of Doug Burgum, Donald Trump would win Iowa. In fact, I don't believe anybody predicted trump winning iowa did anyone matt DeSantis, that you know of predict trump winning iowa yesterday no one predicted trump would win iowa because of the doug Burgum endorsement aside from you so you deserve full credit right i mean they predicted trump would win iowa but yeah. not because of the doug Burgum effect yeah and that's where they got it wrong <laughs> and that's where i got it right <laughs> you deserve your victory lap today thank you i appreciate that very very much here is uh trump's iowa caucus victory speech from last night where he spent most of the time thanking Doug Burgum. Cut number one. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. 
And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators. If I go through every name, we'll be here all night, and everybody's going to get angry at me. But the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see Carrie Lake. Congratulations, Carrie. I spotted her, I have to announce, because she's terrific. She's going to be a senator, a great senator, I predict, right? You're going to be a great senator. And uh, I also want to congratulate Vivek, because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero, and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%, and that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. Now, he did not mention Doug Burgum in that in that part of his speech, but that that's okay. I'm sure um, uh, later he would. Uh, he also hit the fake news last night before I get into the actual fake news. But here's Rachel Maddow cutting away from Trump's victory speech in Iowa as the MSNBC host announced the network will not air former President Donald Trump's victory speech. Maddow said the decision is not out of spite. Cut number three. Hmm. Yeah. They didn't. Let me but say, I th- let me just interject. Sorry. I'm sorry, I just have to do a little bit no. of business just for a second. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is... Of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, And honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his <laughs> remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. Steph, I interrupt you. Right, because everything on MSNBC is truthful. Uh, absolutely. And it's not out of spite. Believe me, it's definitely not out of spite. You see, this is where MSNBC becomes a, a, a joke. Because I want to ask you a question. Is this truthful when Joy Reid starts attacking white Christians and accuses them of believing the country belongs to them and that everyone else is a fraudulent American. Is that considered truth out of curiosity? Cut number nine. But, you know, I feel like the important sort of data point, and, and you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's, he's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight. 
is that this, these are white Christians. Ah, that this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I, today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper-evangelical st- white state. And he said the following to me. Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following, because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following, they see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it back to them. All the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out or mm-hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours. And that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a is a fraudulent American, is a less, a less, a less real American. Then you don't care about electability. You care about what God has given. There you go. That, and that's and that's considered truth right there that uh, that everybody believes uh, white Christians believe it's their country. And 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 what exactly? So if you say my country tis of the sweet land of liberty, you are <laughs> what exactly? What do you what? What does that mean about you? What does that say about you? Of course, um, she didn't stop there. Why would she? She also trashed Ron DeSantis as both a human being and a politician. So she hit him twice, not just as a politician, but also as a human being. Both. So he's a horrible person and also a horrible politician, according to the most vile racist on television, Joy Reid, who just uh, completely, you know, the amazing thing about that clip, too, that we just played, she just completely stereotyped an entire state. Everybody based on the color of their skin and their religion stereotyped all of them. And that's okay. That's You're allowed to do that to white people. You're allowed to do that to Christians. You can stereotype everybody. You know, if you it, remember, though, if you do that about other groups or other races, you get in a lot of trouble for that. Everything you're, you're taught in your DEI classes and your unconscious bias training and everything else tells you not to do those things. But if you do them about white people in Iowa, evangelical people, that's okay. You're allowed to do that. By the way, the coverage of Iowa is our big story of the day. Today, brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com, my dentist and my friend. So here's Joy Reid attacking Ron DeSantis, both as a human being and as a politician. The combo platter, cut number six. I think that the problem for Nikki Haley, as you said, is that you need passion to to caucus, like it requires passion. But whatever happens with her tonight, I think we must remark upon the absolute tragedy of Ron DeSantis as a human being and as a politician. And I say this as somebody who spent 14 years in the great state of Florida. This man torched the state of Florida's education system by turning it into a a grand apologist for slavery. He passed a six-week abortion ban that he signed at midnight so that no one could see him do it to match Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, in essentially condemning uh, rape victims and incest victims to give birth at 10 years old, if that's what it takes, in order to get evangelicals to like him. All the things he did, he completely... Um, took the, 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 the Republican Tallahassee entire Senate and House delegations, put them in his service. They had to essentially work for him. And they passed everything he asked them for, for one reason only, because he was going to win Iowa. Yeah. 
He put it all on Iowa. Mm -hmm. His whole ground game is Iowa. His whole strategy is Iowa. And he destroyed his political career in his home state, neglected his home state during two hurricanes, wore weird high boots and humiliated himself when he finally ran home to pretend that he was going to help his state and neglected it. Well, I will give her credit for pointing out his boots. They were a terrible fashion statement. Um, uh, Florida's education system is actually ranked number one in the entire country at this point. But that's all right. Don't worry about that. MSNBC is dedicated to only airing the truth and nothing but the truth. The whole truth and nothing but. That said, she's not wrong on hitting Ron DeSantis on the boots. Boots were a bad, bad choice. Boots were bad. The boots were a bad decision. Let me let me just, you know, say that for the record. But I think the boot czar from his campaign was fired. I think whoever advised him on those boots since been out of a job. But <laughs> MSNBC dedicated to the truth as we see it. That is amazing that they can't play any of the Trump speech because they assume he's going to espouse lies. Right. At least that's what they claim. And then the very next clip we play, Joy Reid is spouting off about how Ron DeSantis has destroyed the K-12 through education system in Florida, which is ranked number one in the country. I'm surprised she didn't just come out and say, and because of him, Disney shut down. Like Disney World went out of business. They just start throwing stuff out there. Blame everything on him. Yeah. Because of Ron DeSantis, you can't go to Disney World now. You can't? Um, I don't know. Can you? It's not like anybody on the panel is going to disagree with her. <laughs> They're all just sitting there, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So happy to be there. Ron DeSantis is the reason we have to deal with snow today in Philadelphia. It's true. He did manipulate the weather. <laughs> and by the way, breaking news, it was cold in Iowa last night because it's freaking January in Iowa. Uh, here's this clip from last night. Nikki Haley says third place in Iowa makes this uh, a good night for her. This is, uh, you got to love political spin here. She was expected to come in second. She came in third, but somehow because she came in third, that makes this a two-person race. Cut number seven. I want to congratulate President Trump on his win tonight. We have had an amazing 11 months here in the Hawkeye State. Wasn't amazing enough, though, now, was it? came to Iowa early and often, and I kept coming back. And it didn't help. Even though the cold weather is brutal. Oh. But the kindness of Iowans will never be lost on me. You're faithful, patriotic, and hardworking Americans. And I will forever be grateful for the time that we had. one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. I was at 2% in the polls. But tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing, in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond. I can 
can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Tonight, tonight, I will be back in the great state of New Hampshire. And the question before Americans is now very clear. Do you want more of the same? Or do you want a new generation of conservative leadership? Well, she's losing in South Carolina, and that's her state. But she's not wrong. It is a two-person race. But it's a two-person race because the establishment is making it that way. She's not wrong. It is, it, it's a two-person race, and it's going to be a two-person race all the way to the convention. She's not wrong. They will keep her in, and they will fund her, and they will not let her out. And this is where DeSantis is, is done. I mean, unfortunately for him, and this is what I said to you yesterday, you know, at, at some point here, you got to start thinking about 2028. You got to think about it. My my position on that has not changed by the fact that he narrowly came in second place yesterday. Trump got 53, 54 percent of the vote in Iowa. I mean, he's going to crush it in New Hampshire. He's going to beat Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. He's going to beat Nikki Haley in South Carolina. And the problem for DeSantis is that he he has nowhere to go. And if I'm him and if I'm his people, all I'm saying to him at this point is. You got to get out. You got to back Trump and you got to think about 2028. Nothing has changed. Iowa did not change that for him. It, it helps him in this sense. It, he gets to get out of the race with a little bit more dignity than he had. I mean that. I mean sincerely. And I'm not trying to take shots at the guy. I told you, I like him. I think he's one of the best governors in the country. I think he, his, his handling of COVID was excellent. I think his handling of the economy in Florida has been great. I am a fan of Ron DeSantis. I like him a lot. He's not going to be the Republican nominee. And I've been saying that for a while now. And, you know, if you're a DeSantis supporter, you can get mad at me, but that's just the way it is. There's no pathway here for him. And I think that the smart political strategy for him is to get out of this race promptly and back Donald Trump, who's going to be the nominee, and push back on Nikki Haley, who represents a part of the Republican Party that is of the past. She talks about being a future, the future conservative leader. She represents everything about the George Bush, John McCain Republicans that the party has moved on from. The party's moved on from that. Nikki Haley sounds no different from Antony Blinken when she talks about Ukraine funding. Nikki Haley sounds no different from all of the neocons before her who talk about what we got to do to Iran. That, the, the Republican Party has moved on from that. She's not a new generation of conservative leadership. She, she's a, a, she's the, what the Republican Party was and still is from an establishment perspective, but is not from a Republican primary voter perspective. Republican primary voters have changed and who the core base of the Republican primary has changed. They've become a coalition now of blue collar workers and people that don't want war and people that um, largely want the government to leave them the hell alone. And, it, and, and they've also become a coalition of people who are Hispanic and Latino and Whatever the term is, black, they want it. Things have changed. And in my opinion, Nikki Haley represents the Republican Party from the Bush era, the Romney era, the the John McCain era. And I, I don't see that as being the future. I see that as going backwards. But 
the establishment has not changed. The same establishment that pushed back against Ronald Reagan in 1980 and, and Reagan in 84 to a degree. And the same, the same establishment that pushed back against Barry Goldwater destroyed the guy. The same establishment that pushed back against Donald Trump in 2016. That establishment has not changed, but the voters have changed in a big way. And I think the biggest way is because they now call BS on what the Republican establishment tells them. So I don't I don't see her as being a candidate of the future in any way, shape or form. But she's not wrong. It is a two person race and it will be all the way to the convention because the establishment is a lot of money and they're going to make sure that she stays in. Their hope is that something will happen. That will cause Donald Trump to have to either get out of the race or he will be ineligible to run or whatever. And they'll keep her into the convention. That is going to be what their strategy is. And for DeSantis, I will just say to him, I think that, you know, you can try to vie for second, hoping that that becomes how you get there. But I think it's just too much of a gamble. And what you do is you risk hurting yourself because if Nikki Haley beats you, which she's going to do in New Hampshire and then beats you in other places, too, you're going to it's going to make it that much harder for you in 2028. And you have a chance now to make Trump people very, very happy with you. Like today, the average Trump voter loves Doug Burgum. <laughs> you can you can carry that mantle. No, I mean that sincerely. He, he can be a front runner, not Burgum, but DeSantis for 2028. But at some point, there's diminishing returns here, man. There's diminishing returns. And if, if you're not if you can't I mean, to fight for second place. And then ask yourself what it costs you to be second place. And if you don't wind up in second place, my God, people are going to look back on this in 2028 and think you couldn't even beat Nikki Haley. Like you, you came into this as a rock star who was going to beat Trump. You couldn't even beat Haley. I don't I don't think he wants to be in that position. I can't imagine why his people would want him to be in that position. And again, I say that with all due respect to the guy. I say that with respect to his political future. I think I'm offering good advice to his political future here. But I, I understand that there is an inclination to believe that politics is unpredictable, but you're dealing with a situation where you have a very tested Republican frontrunner in Donald Trump. He, he won 2016. He won the Republican primary despite everything that they're still doing right now to him. And he still won it. And he's going to win it again. And so any little convention scenarios, any little games you want to try to play, they, they already tried that. They tried that in 2016. That was how Ted Cruz was going to somehow get the nomination or, or Rubio or whoever else was going to somehow. Maybe Pence would wind up getting the nomination at the convention. They, we, we, we've been here. We've been down this road already. So at some point, if, if you want to risk now rolling the dice at, at losing to Nikki Haley and in, in New Hampshire, which you're going to do, and then South Carolina, which is looking very much like you're going to do. And then what? For what purpose then? Where is the upside to this? What is the upside here? When you still have a guy who's in such a lead that even if you beat her in second place, you're still in second place. I don't know what the game plan is here. I can't figure it out. And I, I think I'm a pretty smart political strategist. I'm not the smartest, but... I think I'm pretty good at this, and I don't see what the game plan is here. So fine, if you want to stay into New Hampshire, and then you want to go down swinging because, but, I mean, looking at these poll numbers, it, it, and, and it's not necessarily DeSantis' fault. 
you know, if Trump was out in this race, I think he'd be, the, I, by far, I think he'd be the front runner. I think, I think there'd be no question. We would all be talking about him crushing Nikki Haley right now. And we would all be talking about him getting the Republican nomination. I think that that, that is a, that would be absolute certainty, but that's not where we are. And I also think that if we were not dealing with a situation in New Hampshire where you have an open primary and Democrats are absolutely getting in this to back Nikki Haley. Here's the random, I'll play it now finally, the, the random Democrat voter who just randomly decided all by herself with no product at all from the establishment to just back Nikki Haley and somehow wound up on corporate media on a national show to just randomly talk about it. Totally random, not at all an organized effort. In no way, shape, or form should you assume that there's any shenanigans going on behind the scenes here. This is purely random. She just decided this all on her own, and somehow the mainstream corporate media found her to talk about it. Take a listen. One of those frustrated voters is Thalia Flores, who you heard from at the start of the episode. After years of voting with the Democrats, this year, Thalia says she's switching things up. I decided several months ago that I thought, you know what, if my vote as a Democrat isn't really going to change things, then I'm going to vote in the Republican primary and at least try to get a candidate that I can respect and that I can live with (laughs) as opposed to Donald Trump. Fascinatingly, after going to all the Republican candidates' town halls and meeting all of them, I actually came to like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. Now, I don't agree with them on every policy. But I'm just randomly deciding this now and totally randomly just showing up here on your show to just randomly talk about it. And there's not at all a concerted effort in an open primary to get Democrats to vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. we got a big show still to come. We're just getting warmed up, baby. I'll tell you what the Supreme Court has said. They have made a big, big decision in a case that they're not going to hear. And tomorrow stands the chance to overturn one of the absolute worst Supreme Court decisions in modern history. So all of that is still straight ahead. Don't go away. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Let's do a little social media check-in, shall we? Courtesy of our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 and Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. Uh, Fly Eagles, Fly Bill says, Rich, I still don't think you should count out Tulsi Gabbard as Trump's running mate. Well, look, I I count out nothing. I'm not, I haven't counted her out. In fact, we'd love to have her on the show again to chat about it. I just, um, I don't, I don't know if, um, I don't know if it's really going to happen. I, I I think there's other people who are who are more powerful, I guess, like Christy Nome, for example, who might, you know, overtake her in that sense. But yeah, look, I I, th- I, I like Tulsi a lot. I, I, I have, the problem, though, is that the vice presidential thing is 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 a, is is a thing. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely a thing, and. Trump's 80, you know, Biden's obviously in his mind, 175. I I think it matters who the running mate is in this time around. Maybe not for me or you, but for some people out there. And so I think you want somebody who has an established record of running something. That's why, you know, I've heard people say Carrie Lake. I've heard people say Tulsi Gabbard. My opinion would be to pick a governor. You know, somebody who has an established record of running a state. And I think for that reason, Christy Nome brings a lot to the table. Now, look, I mean, he would win Christy. He would win South Dakota without Christy Nome on the ticket. And maybe she is the lesser Dakota governor compared to Doug Burgum. Uh, but she's very good on her feet. She's very good with the media. She's, you know, not hard on the eyes. Certainly doesn't hurt. Um I'm, and, you know, she has a strong record on her handling of South Dakota for COVID and for uh, business and everything else. And, you know, I don't really think any whatever rumors are out there about her, um, her marriage and all that. other stuff. I, I don't really think anyone cares about that stuff anymore in this day and age. So I think she's a strong contender for that. But I think that for people who are look, it's like the same thing with Tucker Carlson. I mean, there, there's you have to think about the element of people who really don't like Trump. And maybe voted for him in 2016 and maybe didn't vote for him in 2020, but now they regret that and they want to vote for him again. But they think about things. They think about, you know, who would have to potentially take over and that may matter. And so, you know, does 
having, say, like a Christy Nome on the ticket hurt? No, I don't think so. I think it, I think it only helps with his base. Does it help in other areas? Or if it's not her, some, you know, another Republican governor or, or somebody who has some executive experience. I, you know, I, I don't really think the gender thing matters. I don't think women vote for women. I think sometimes women are even tougher on women. I don't really think that matters. But, <clears throat> um, you know, it's a long way to go. I, obviously, a million things can change. The one thing I think, though, is very evident is that Trump should not pick Nikki Haley as his running mate. That, I think, is very evident. I think that, again, that would be a mistake. That would be a big mistake. I, I think that she still represents that the party of the past. Uh, let's see. In response to my comments about Asa the Hat Hutchinson, and I'm getting a lot of blowback on this, you know, having a lot of blowback on the fact that I, I called not only Doug Burgum wrong, but I called Ace of the Hat wrong, too. So I'm 0 for 2 here on this. And um, Tracy Murphy says, Rich, we just can't trust your political predictions anymore. I understand, Tracy. I, I get it. I've got to earn this back now. i got to earn this back. First, confidently saying Doug Bergen was going to be in the White House and then Ace of the Hat. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, there's a lot. I got a lot. I got a, I got a lot to, to, to make up here. A lot of ground to make up. Uh, Muggsy says, Rich. Losing your political touch first with Doug and now Asa. I know. I know. I know. Paul Ladd pointing out that more people read my tweet about Asa the Hat than actually supported him, which is true. And that's actually true. More people read the tweet and supported him in Iowa last night. It's very, very true. Anyway, so I got some great funny tweets about that. And uh, thank you for that as we do our check-in on social media from our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 where relationships matter, obviously. Uh, all right. Um, the, the notion of, of uh, Donald Trump not leaving office is still coming up. I'll get into that with you in the five o'clock hour. But the Supreme Court of the United States did something interesting today. They rejected an appeal. And this is a very interesting thing that the Supreme Court does sometimes. So sometimes when the court doesn't take a case, they don't agree to give cert. They reject an appeal so they won't hear a case then the lower court ruling stands, at least for the time being. And the Supreme Court on Monday declined to hear an Indiana school district's appeal of a ruling that blocked the district from requiring students to use the bathroom that corresponds with their sex. The justices denied an appeal from the Metropolitan School District of Martinsville, where a girl claiming to be a boy was prohibited from using the boys' restrooms at her middle school. Under the school's policy, students can only access the bathrooms and locker rooms aligned with their sex rather than their preferred gender identity. With legal help from the ACLU of Indiana, the girl's mother sued the school district and middle school principal, arguing her daughter suffered irreparable harm. And obviously, as I'm reading this story from National Review, this is a um, this is a girl who claims to be a boy. In 2022, U.S. District Judge Tanya Pratt ruled in favor of the child, demanding the middle school allow her to enter the boys' bathroom. In 2023, the Chicago-based 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said the school's policy had violated the child's constitutional rights. Martinsville School District argued in defense that Title IX enshrines the legality of sex-separated bathrooms and that they are crucial for student safety. 
The Supreme Court on Tuesday let the lower court's decision stand with no dissents. Though the transgender issue is escalated in schools, the Supreme Court has shied away from weighing in. In April, the justices did not allow West Virginia to enforce a law barring boys and men from K-12 through and college women's sports. Multiple Republican-controlled states have passed laws barring men from women's sports and women's spaces. Uh, The red state laws have banned the gender medicalization of minors and instruction of gender ideology in K-12. through The Biden administration last year proposed a Title IX rewrite under which public schools and other educational entities that receive federal funding would be forbidden from banning boys in girls' sports unless the school makes a compelling case to qualify for an exception. Under the policy, schools would have the high burden of proving that sports should be sex exclusionary. Quote from the rule. The proposed rule would establish that policies violate Title IX when they categorically ban transgender students from participating in sports teams consistent with their gender identity just because of who they are. The proposed rule also recognizes that in some instances, particularly in competitive high school and college athletic environments, some schools may adopt policies that limit transgender students' participation. Now, if you notice, that's a rule. And I spent a lot of time yesterday on on the Chevron deference case, which is going to go before the Supreme Court today. Incidentally, uh, Fox News was live in Cape May, New Jersey today, talking to some fishermen about the case that's going to be heard by the court tomorrow. So there's two separate cases regarding Chevron. Chevron is the um, 1984 ruling that said that the executive basically has the ability to interpret what the legislature passed and then figure out how to enforce it. And at the time, it was viewed as a positive for conservatism. However, Like all things in life that have unintended consequences, the unintended consequence of that became an executive branch that decided, hey, we don't need Congress. We can just write laws ourselves. We'll just call them rules. So there'll be laws that identify as rules. And then they'll have the weight of law. And the only thing Congress can do if it doesn't like it is pass a law to overturn it. But it doesn't have to go to Congress for approval. Since that time, of course, the executive has blown out of control. The administrative state has leached into every aspect of our life under this rulemaking that Chevron gave the executive branch. And tomorrow, the Supreme Court will hear this case, and it has to do with herring fishing boats. And the um, rule that was done by U.S. Fish and Wildlife or the Marine Wildlife, whatever the hell the three-letter agency is that oversees, you know, fishing boats, they came around and said, yeah, you got to have a herring fishing boat monitor on board the boat and you got to pay for them at an average cost of like 750 bucks a day which sometimes is more money than the herring fishermen make actually and so basically if the court overturns chevron which uh we're all praying it does it'll go a long way towards establishing normalcy title nine is a great example of this if congress wants to change title nine then Congress should have to pass a law that changes Title IX. The the executive shouldn't just get to rewrite what is a law. Title IX is a law. It's a statute. It's a law. It was passed by Congress. But because of Chevron, the executive says, well, even though this is the law of the land, we are going to now modify a law with a rule and fundamentally change something that at the time when Congress passed it, this was never their intent. 
The biggest offender of this up until now has been the EPA. I mean, the EPA has gone hog wild. And yesterday I shared with you a story how Biden administration is now proposing heavy fees against uh, methane, which is, of course, you know, what cows toot. When cows toot, they create methane in the air. So cows will be fined everywhere. But anyway, this is another great example of the out-of-control administrative state. Congress should have to pass an amendment to Title IX. If Congress wants to say boys can use the girls' bathroom and boys can play in girls' sports, then Congress should have to vote on that because the people should be able to say to their representatives, we either like this or we don't like this. And then there should be consequences if the people don't like it, meaning that they vote the bums out. But when bureaucrats do it at the Department of Education, which in my opinion should not exist anyway, if bureaucrats who are unelected and unaccountable at the Department of Education have the ability to just rewrite federal law by proposing a rule which would drastically alter the law of the land, Title IX, it shows you exactly what the problem is and the reason why Chevron needs to be overturned. Has to be. Litigation over transgender rights is occurring all over the country, and we assume that at some point the Supreme Court will step in with more guidance than it has furnished so far, said Judge Diane Wood, who issued the Seventh Circuit opinion in the, in the, in the Indiana case and said the Supreme Court will likely need to intervene on the transgender question in the future. Perhaps they will. I don't know. But um, separate and apart from that, there's no question in my mind that if you didn't have Chevron, if you didn't have the Chevron, Chevron deference doctrine, the Department of Education would not even try to pull this crap. Because it's so obvious that, it, that this is a, such a fundamental change to Title IX. You're, you're, you're rewriting it. The executive is rewriting Title IX. When it's very clear in the Constitution that the legislature makes the laws. And if the legislature already passed the law, you know, it's one thing to argue that the executive interprets that law that was passed by doing certain things using its executive powers to enforce it, but to rewrite it or to add to it by adding fines or adding arbitrary rules like herring boat fisher fishermen have to have a herring boat fisherman monitor on board and you got to pay for them. That is absolutely out of whack with what the Constitution says. Completely out of whack with what the purpose of the legislature is and the purpose of the executive branch is. So my hope, my supreme hope, is that tomorrow the Supreme Court will hear Chevron and then in due course overturn it. Because it needs to go. I mean, it really does. It needs to go. It is so bad. I think it's, I think it's one of the absolute worst Decisions the court has made in recent history, you could argue it's the worst decision the court's made probably since, well, Roe and then the subsequent decision in Casey. But the editorial board of The Wall Street Journal put it very, very well when they said in 1984 in Chevron v. NRDC, the justices ruled that the courts should defer to administrative agencies interpretation of laws when the statutory text is silent or ambiguous. In practice, this has become a license for Congress to write vague laws that delegate legislative power to administrative agencies. Over the last 40 years, the Federal Register of Regulations has grown by tens of thousands of pages. See, that's what they do. When they decide to do a rule, they publish it in what's known as the Federal Register. And there's a comment period. And you get to comment. (laughs) They don't really care what you say, but you can comment. That's like going online and writing a review of a restaurant, you know, and like open table or something. And maybe they maybe they'll pay attention to it. Maybe they're not. But 
they don't really care. It's kind of the same thing. You know, it's, it's like when you criticize the show. I don't care. You know, I mean, you, you're welcome to. And by all means, you, you know, knock yourself out. But I'm not changing anything. Like, for example, somebody tweets at me and says, you should prep. <laughs> You'll guess what? I'm not going to do that. All right. But you're welcome to, to comment along the show. But it's kind of like the federal register. It's the same thing. You know, you can comment on this proposed rule, but we've already made our decision. Just that the law says we have to allow a comment period. It's grown by tens of thousands of pages. Wednesday's cases are textbook examples of how regulators invoke Chevron to expand their power and impose enormous burdens on Americans. Family-owned herring fisheries and vessel operators are challenging an obscure commerce rule that requires New England fisheries to pay for onboard monitors. Hey, yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the fishing monitor. Yeah, my uh, my uncle's a congressman. That's how I got this job. So I'm going to sit back here and monitor how you people fish. And you got to pay for me to be here. $750 a day. It's good money. The 1976 Magnuson-Stevens Act regulates fishery management in federal waters and permits the National Marine Fisheries Service to require vessels to carry federal observers to enforce its regulations. But only in three narrow circumstances does the law require vessels to pay for their federal monitors, none of which apply to the plaintiffs. Congress declined to appropriate funds to pay for onboard monitors to enforce fishing regulations, so the National Marine Fisheries Service in 2020 decided to to order them to do it. The agency estimated that a monitor would cost them 750 bucks a day and reduce the annual financial returns by about 20%. But your government loves you. It does. Believe me, kids, your government loves you. Wants to give you a big hug and kiss. Makes your life so much easier. Two appellate courts ruled for the agency based on a two-step Chevron analysis. Courts first review if a law is clear, if the text is ambiguous or silent on a matter. Courts must consider if an agency's interpretation is reasonable. The judges rule it is, they must defer to the agency. So a First Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the fisheries rule because the default norm is the government does not reimburse regulated entities for the cost of complying with properly enacted regulations. Translation, the government tells you what to do all the time and doesn't pay for it. So why would the herring fishing boat monitor be any different? Who cares if he's the idiot nephew of some powerful senator? But as the D.C. Circuit Judge Justin Walker noted in his dissent, Congress, Congress's, um, unamb- Congress unambiguously did not authorize this mandate. The agency identified no other context in which an agency without express direction from Congress requires an industry to fund its own inspection regime. And the government's theory could undermine Congress's power of the purse. And that's true, right? Because, I mean, you know, this is one of those great things where you turn around and you go, so who passed this law that says we have to pay for fishing monitors on our boat? And then people turn around and go, nobody. Some bureaucrat in Washington did. The late Justice Antonin Scalia supported Chevron after he joined the court, but he later expressed misgivings. As judges bowed to regulators even when they were stretching or rewriting the law. One result has been pendulum swings in public policy with every new presidential administration as agencies interpret laws to advance their agenda. I told you it's like all things in life, you know, there's unintended consequences of something. 
We will see what the court rules tomorrow, but I'm telling you this will have, if the court overturns Chevron, this will be huge in reigning in the out-of-control administrative state. It would be huge, and I'm rooting for it. As you can tell, obviously, I think this is one of the most consequential cases the Supreme Court could, could hear. And it all has to do with fishing boat monitors. Who knew, right? Listen, Dr. Mike Venaria is going to give you a great smile. He is the master of dental implants, and he's a great friend, and he is my dentist. And I'd love for you to see him. Just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Uh, when it comes to your smile, you deserve a great smile because a smile tells the world so much about you. And you might do all kinds of things to take care of yourself in life, but by giving yourself a great smile, you will be doing something for yourself that will make you really, really happy. And Dr. Venari is the best. He is the master of dental implants. He exceeds expectations, and he has two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury. So please reach out to him today for your perfect smile by going to VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. He's my friend. The entire Zioli family goes to see him. Bridget has an appointment with him next week, as a matter of fact. And, of course, I had an appointment with him last week. So don't wait. Get the dental care you deserve. And if you've ever had an estimate for complicated dental work, including dental implants, please get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.